Hello, my beautiful Women Inc. listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is Ariane Goldman, the founder and CEO of Hatch. If you don't know Hatch, they are the premier destination and lifestyle brand for women before, during, and after pregnancy. Since its launch in 2011, Hatch offers chic maternity clothing and mama-safe clean beauty products that are directly addressing the issues women face throughout their pregnancy and into postpartum. Seeking chic and elevated maternity clothing, Ariane developed Hatch to fill that void in the maternity market with solution-driven designs that enable women to invest in the clothing well past pregnancy. In scaling her business, Ariane has built Hatch as a trusted name in the market, becoming the go-to maternity brand for partnerships with high-profile retailers such as Nordstrom, J. Crew, and Target. Her mission was the same as it is today, 10 years later, to create a trusted resource for women who want to feel beautiful, confident, and stylish during one of life's most rewarding, yet also most challenging periods. You know when you just have a conversation with someone and you instantly feel rapport and just comfortable. That is how this interview was for me. I just felt like I was chatting with a girlfriend who I've known forever talking about life. Ariane just has such a calm presence and such a powerful presence. And I took so much from this interview. I know you guys are going to love it. I can't wait for you to listen. Now let's get over to my conversation with Ariane. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hello, Ariane. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to meet you. Hi, Jenna. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I was just telling you, I'm such a big fan. You're actually like my go-to maternity gift. I always get the, like what the stomach glow, the bump glow. Is that what it's called? The belly oil. Yeah. Belly it's oil. The best. <laughs> yes. Everyone's obsessed with that when I give them gifts. And then they were like, this is now my maternity gift for their friends. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I just love it. It's one of my favorite products that we've come out with. So tell us, I want to like rewind back before Hatch. I mean, you have two companies now. You are, you do a lot of different things. It's very inspiring. But can we rewind back before you started your companies? What were you doing before? I know you were more in the corporate world. Yes. So I started my career as an analyst at American Express. So I went to undergraduate business school and got an internship at Amex and it was too good of an offer to turn down. So I moved back to New York from Ann Arbor and started my career in my 20s, kind of working up the corporate ladder at American Express. And it was just a wonderful organization. Uh, they encourage you to switch positions every year and a half. And so really through that time, you get to learn different sides of the business. I started in acquisitions and then I made my my way into loyalty. And really, I was trying to get sexier and sexier within the organization of trying to just 
you know, make things happen and not be so corporate. And so I ended up in global sponsorships at American Express, which were the US Open and Fashion Week and everywhere American Express put some marketing dollars behind, I was responsible for the programming. So I found a way to kind of um, do the best of both worlds or both things that um, inspired me. But at the end of the day, I really felt like there was a lot of um, gusto inside of me that I wanted to get out and that I might not be a corporate girl for the rest of my career. And so I decided to go to Parsons at night to really cultivate some creativity and see what was there. And it was then that I was getting um, married to my now husband and realized that there was a white space in the bridal market. And I started a bridesmaid's dress business based on the notion that you can invest in a dress and wear it again after the wedding. So the company is called Two Birds because you're killing two birds with one dress. Um, You can wear it again and not uh, resent the bride. And um, it was my side hustle for a while while I continued to work at American Express. And then I got on the Martha Stewart show and it just started to really roll and roll and and the phone was ringing off the hook. And that's what gave me the courage to jump ship, to finally quit my corporate gig and to become a full time entrepreneur. And that was the beginning of the next chapter of my career. Amazing. So you started Two Birds first and then what led you to begin Hatch? So I took um, a duffel bag of two birds dresses across the world and opened small little ateliers in Sydney, Australia, Toronto, Notting Hill, London, New York, and LA. And I just had the best time with this one concept because it was one dress that fits, uh, that wraps 25 different ways and fits uh, one, one size fits most. Um, and so I, I really got encouraged by the idea of driving a product and becoming an entrepreneur and, and driving business. And then I, um, I became pregnant with my first daughter, Charlie and was looking for a brand out there to speak to me and educate me on the journey I had ahead and hold my hand through this next chapter of the unknown. And I was shocked that there was no one out there. And so the light bulb went off again and I realized that there was another white space yet in my next journey as a woman going through my my different life events. The first was marriage, now it was having a baby. And so um, based on the courage I had from the first business, I decided to lend myself some money and start Hatch completely different business model. This was D to C. We had to invest in inventory, um, build a website. It was the days, I don't want to date myself, but it was the days of when Warby Parker and all these modern D to C, you know, huge examples of success were launching. And so the only way to really make your mark was in, you know, direct to consumer where I can own the customer information and really start on the journey with her. And so I started Hatch um, based on the need that women can invest in themselves during this time, that you don't have to be alone, that we can celebrate and have a brand that exists to support us and to provide us solutions, you know, for things that we don't know are about to happen to us. So, um, I pride Hatch on being one step ahead of our customer and just saying, you've got this and we've got you. Yeah. So did you originally, uh, were you originally only online? Yeah. So we started direct to consumer. So again, I, I lent, um, I lent myself a few hundred thousand dollars to get the website off the ground, build inventory. And I bootstrapped the brand for the first six years, really, um, making sure that I was making more money than I was spending and that we were profitable. And brick by brick, I laid the foundation. I took the brand on the road to, um, meet with customers in market across the country and really listen to them as my focus groups so that I understood what they needed next from us. Um, And I was able to really develop proof of concept with the fact that women were connecting to someone offering them solutions during this time. And what started with 12 key pieces, the first couple of years moved into more collections, 
um, basics, workwear. And then um, it dawned on me that women also needed some beauty solutions like we were talking about earlier. Why would you, you know, everyone was cobbling together their best friend's recommendations, a blog, their doctor, um, all these different pieces, but there was no trusted home base. And so I said, well, since I'm already doing this and have women's trust, why don't I go into non-toxic beauty? And so we launched Hatch Mama, our non-toxic skincare line, a few years into the brand. Such a good idea. And I feel like for so long, I've talked to my mom about this. She was like, you just accepted that you weren't going to look good. Like no one was catering fashion towards pregnant women, (laughs) which is so messed up. It was so messed up. I mean, when I started the business, it was going against the current. A lot of different publications would not write about maternity. Fashion wouldn't cover it because it was taboo to have a growing belly. The conversation was just so very different. I mean, social media and the selfie hadn't really um, broken our voices free yet. And so it was really taboo to talk about this category and to celebrate your bump. And fortunately, over the years, that's really evolved and changed. I mean, you look at Rihanna now and she's, you know, the bump is her greatest accessory, right? I mean, it's the, from a fashion perspective, women used to wear moo's where you were hiding it. You wouldn't tell your boss you're pregnant. And now the less you wear, the, the more. So it's just a wild pendulum swing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, and I feel like Hatch has been at the forefront of that, which is amazing. It has been. It's uh, It's been an incredible journey so far. So we launched D2C and then some key strategic partners. Net-A-Porte was a very early supporter. Um, they understood the duality that you can wear these pieces before, during, and after pregnancy. And then Shop up and a couple of others followed. I held distribution very close to my chest at the beginning because I really wanted to own the customer data and and really just keep it in in my channels. We've very much since opened our distribution channels since, um, you know, in the last couple of years. We need to be where women are, where they need us, um, especially in the days of prime and kind of, you know, clicking a button and getting something the next day. We needed, you know, we needed to shift our business model to make sure that we had more partners out there getting our product to more women faster. And so that's been a big transition. I also believe heavily in a scratch and sniff experience. And so having a retail location was always on my mind because I always like the product to be stronger in person than it is on a two-dimensional computer screen. And so we opened um, our first store back in 2017. And now we have three locations and we're going to be expanding our retail footprint in the next um, in the next couple of years as well. So good. Yeah, I love your retail locations. I've walked in in New York so beautiful. Where where else are you? New York. Where else are your physical locations? So we're on the upper. So we're in Nolita in New York, um, close to Soho and on Elizabeth Street. And then um, we just opened Upper East Side. It was a store that we were supposed to open in March of 2020, but the pandemic hit, so we had to kind of pause that for a little while, negotiate the lease, um, which is always fun. Yeah, <laughs> and then we. Uh, we recently opened that in September, and then we're in Los Angeles, um, right uh, right next to Brentwood Country Mart in uh, Santa Monica. So a fabulous location to kind of, LA is our second market. So it's just wonderful to meet women there. Yeah. So in starting a clothing brand and also a beauty brand, what would you say if, for whoever's listening is something to expect in those early days, especially self-funding before you're able to raise money? What can someone expect to mentally go through in that process? I'll tell you, I mean, it it was, so I built this beautiful website. You have to invest in minimal inventory, but just to, you need something to sell so that if somebody buys it, obviously you can fulfill the order. And I'll be honest with you, for the first couple of months, I built this beautiful thing under this notion that if you build it, they will come. And Jenna, nobody came. 
Nobody came to the site. And what I thought was like this huge release and launch was kind of, I thought, an epic failure. And lo and behold, I was away with my husband and I was, you know, kind of crying, saying, I might have messed this up. I can't believe I, I risked this. Please forgive me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then a New York Times style editor emailed and said, I understand what you're doing. I get it. And I want to do a write up on you. And the New York Times doesn't necessarily drive revenue, but it drives a lot of credibility. And that was the beginning of the shift. Um, the, the article launched and then all of a sudden, somehow or another, traction um, and traffic started coming to the site. And I didn't have a lot of money at the time to really acquire customers at the top, right? Which is really a big strategy now. Yeah. So I went, you know, the old fashioned route of grassroots, building the brand from ground up. Um, I gifted the product across the board. I met with women in person. I physically just was, you know, really sharing the product wherever I could to get the word out. And finally, you know, the motor just started to rev, which um, I'm really grateful for. So to answer your question, I think you just have to be patient, but you have to believe so hard in the product that you're putting out there and that it's filling a void and that it has a unique proposition because the market is so noisy right now that I do feel like you do need a point of view if you're going to break through. Yeah, no, I think that's so encouraging because now it's just like Facebook ads, Google ads, like top of funnel. And they're not, uh, it's very rare to hear someone like, no, we were fully like grassroots, word of mouth, New York Times. Old school. Old school. Door to door. I think that's a trend that we're going back to like physical mail and a lot of marketing trends are going back to basics without your it's true. Yeah. It's so true. Even the assets that we take, it used to be, fashion used to be about like the perfect campaign picture, right? So all these brands would put all this money into the most polished, beautiful, top-end model, top-end photographer, and you would get maybe 10 shots of that day, if you're lucky, that would last you a couple of months. In today's world, the consumer is eating up assets. We are, you know, we are just consuming assets so quickly through social media that the perfect image doesn't get us, you know, doesn't not, it doesn't even get us authenticity, but it really doesn't get us that far. And so it's the real content, the TikTok, the real women, the real POV that's breaking through. And so from I'm a creative CEO. And so just from that lens, the landscape has changed tremendously, which has been super fascinating. So you have to create more content, but it, it's it's less precious which is a new challenge, but exciting. For sure. So let's talk about you as a CEO because you do a lot. And I feel like that behind the scenes is so interesting to people. Like how, because I'm not a mom yet. So this is what I think is like, how do you, honestly, I don't know how I'm going to do that because I do want to be a mom. But like, how do you be a CEO? And then like, how do you plan your day in a way that is efficient for you and serves you without feeling crazy? Oh, it's been a journey um, and I've undergone a lot of wonderful CEO coaching to kind of figure out how to delegate. You know, at the beginning of building the company, everything, I was wearing every hat. I was customer service. I was um, at the factory as being the fit model. I was packing the boxes, all of it. And so as you grow um, and you you are desperate to get hands, you start to hire. And at first they're typically generalists that can just really just be extra hands and help you on the ground. But then as the company grows, you start to hire people that are hopefully um, really smart in their lanes in these different areas of the business. And so over time, I've done a lot of work to really just build a team underneath me that is my foundation. So it's not about me anymore. It's about um, these wonderful talents that are coming together who are passionate and believe in the mission of Hatch and what we're doing. And so delegation, I think, is really important. Being humble and aware of what isn't 
you know, your favorite area of the business is also really important. So when I just alluded to the fact that I'm a creative CEO, I over time have realized that spreadsheets and operations, that's not my favorite zone of the company. I like to be the visionary, be inspired. What do we look like? Taste, feel, touch, all those things. And so I quickly realized that I needed help in those other areas. And so I I went out and searched for a COO who could take on some of the areas of the business that um, I needed coverage on that I'm not, you know, particularly an A plus at. And so I was very lucky to find someone who really has operated and run the company while I'm at the front of the boat looking forward as to where we're going. And the balance between the two of us has been phenomenal. And it's not always easy. Uh, we're very different people, but uh, she's the yin to my yang and she really uh, enables me to do what I do best. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So I think humility and and the acceptance that you don't have to be great at everything is a really important key to being a CEO, um, being open to asking for help and being open to um, forgive yourself for areas that, you know, none of us are aces across the board. Businesses are just too robust and too big to nail it all. Yeah. And do you have like on or off hours at all? Or I know running your business, you're generally on a lot. Oh, that was a great question. Sorry. I, I, so going oh, back no, to my day. Perfect. No, no, no. You're this perfect. <laughs> I'm going back to my day. So um, I have now written in the meetings and the touch points that I need to be in on so that I have a really clear understanding of what's happening in the business. But I've also needed to carve out time to not only be a mom, but also to be inspired and yeah. to um, make sure that I'm pushing the brand forward. And so that's really been work with my leadership team to acknowledge and, and just say, hey, this is where I think I'm not ready to kind of fully leave yet. I need to sign off on X, Y, and Z. So let's build a process where you're, you know, I get final approval and whatnot. And then in these other areas, I'm going to let you fly because you're all phenomenal and I'm going to trust that you've got this. Um, And so what that's enabled me to do is just rather than have a 40 hours a week of just meetings, 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 I now actually schedule time to pick up the kids um, to really insert myself back into my personal life so that um, the team is aware of it and I can balance both, but also to pull out of meetings to give the team autonomy. They've been asking for that. And um, that was also a big growth um, learning for me is to just give them what they're asking for and really listen to them because um, they're what makes this this grow. And so um, uh, I've been pulling back a little bit from the day-to-day so that the team can do their great work and then building these checkpoints so that my schedule isn't overrun with just being in every meeting. Yeah, it's huge. It was so hard for me to learn. I call it levels of empowerment. <laughs> and it's like certain things have different different numbers. I sign like one, you know, is like you have full empowerment over that. Like you make the call. I don't need to know about it. I don't need to see about it. And two is like, it goes up from there of like, I need to know about it, but I don't need to touch it. Three, I need to like approve it. Yeah, I feel you. That's very important. So when looking at the future of Hatch, what inspires you and where do you see the brand going? So in truth, when I started the company, again, I was obsessed with profitability and creating products that made women feel better. Never in my wildest imagination did I think that Hatch would be a more meaningful brand and what it is today. And this community piece that we've built it was a complete surprise to me. And how that evolved was um, in our first location in New York, we have a downstairs area that wasn't used for selling. And so we really wanted to drive people into our stores to educate them. So we started bringing in prenatal um, consultants, doulas, 
we were having miscarriage conversations and bringing women through our doors, not for shopping events, but to really meet each other and learn. And the smiles that women walked out of our store with were so powerful that we knew that there was something really magical here because we had their trust and um, they were meeting there. They were just learning and meeting each other. And it was providing a value that uh, was just above and beyond product. And so COVID hit a couple, you know, probably a year after we were doing those IRL events. And so we decided to digitize the events. And this way we could bring more women together outside of just the ones in New York by our store. And all of a sudden, Jenna, the connection, I mean, we had 25,000 women through our events last year. Um, Wow. And it's just incredible what it's done to the brand because it's just so much more than selling a dress, you know, or a perfect legging. It's about providing women with uh, companionship and education and support. And that's really meaningful. And again, it's very different from where I started, but the fact that Hash can be this home base of solution-oriented products where we can hold our customer's hand, but also support and education and continue the conversation with her is where I see the future of the company. So a dual path of product, but um, resources and and content and um, really just being this home base. There, there isn't one home base of motherhood right now um, offering both. And, and I feel that we are on like a beautiful journey uh, getting there. It's all about trust and authenticity. And, you know, we've worked so hard as I said, brick by brick, making sure that we are connected to our customer along the way, um, each each step of her journey. And I really think that that's paying off in the fact that like we, you know, we're getting there and, and building this platform that is untouchable. Yeah. Uh, you're, I just keep thinking of the word community. Like you have built such a strong community, which is so important for e-commerce brands, but very hard to do. I know personally, it's very hard to do. And I think especially in the, like we were talking about the like Facebook ad world, creating this community. So what advice would you have to start this? If someone is, has a brand that they run right now and they want to get more into knowing their customers and providing that space, what would be like one tangible thing you did that you'd recommend? I mean, literally I spend, I spend days in my stores just talking to my customer. I would really just listen, you know, really spend the time. And I, you know, I really mean that if, if you understand what they're looking for and we presume as founders, as owners that we, you know, understand the customer, but we're getting older. The customer landscape is changing and so it's changing quickly. And so checking in and, and having conversation and asking questions to me is a tangible, uh, a real vehicle to understanding how you, you as a brand can, can be meaningful and helpful. Ask the customer, what can we do more for you? How can we help you? What more would you like to see from us? How can we make your your life easier? To me, that's community and that's listening. Um, And it's not presuming that we know everything because, you know, I just, we don't. We don't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So last question. (laughs) This has been amazing. So inspiring. And I think it will help a lot of people. So last question is, what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who is wanting to start her own business? Oh, resilience, have a sense of humor. It's never going to be a layup. It's going to be a thick, bumpy, uphill road, but believe in yourself, believe in your product and don't take no for an answer. Just keep on going. Do not take no for an answer. There's always a way. Everything is figureoutable. 
and the wind and the dodgeballs are going to hit us in the face. And you got to just keep on just just laugh and say, is anybody watching? Like, did anybody see that one? Because that hurt a lot. And then keep on plowing through. It's the only way. But it's not easy. And you got to have a lot of gusto. You have to be ready for a big journey ahead. But if you believe and you're inspired, then, you know, you only live once. So you got to go for it. That's so good. I haven't ever heard on asking this question so many times, sense of humor. That's such an important, good one. Love that. I mean, you got to laugh sometimes, right? <laughs> I mean, you. this stuff is just wild. You can't write this. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Oh, Ariane, thank you so much. It was so lovely to meet you. And this was fun. What a pleasure. Thanks, Jenna. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.